This is 10 with Zen, a podcast hosted by Helen Woodward, leadership consultant and former head of school improvement at the Department for Education. Brought to you by Zen Educate, each episode features a prominent guest sharing insights and best practice based on their own unique experiences. This could be as a school leader, an SEN specialist, a parent and beyond. If you like the sound of 10 with Zen, make sure you follow and subscribe on Spotify, Apple or whatever platform you're listening on. Hello and welcome to 10 with Zen with your host Helen Woodward. Our guests today are Liz Wettham, MBE, and David Lowbridge-Ellis, and they're both head teachers passionate about teacher workload issues and importantly committed to reducing wasted energy in everyday work. So Liz you're the exec head teacher at Westminster C of E Primary School in Bradford. Welcome back to 10 with Zen. Good afternoon. Lovely to have you here again Liz. And David you're a head teacher and you lead on school improvement across the Matrix Academy Trust. Welcome to 10 with Zen. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Brilliant. So what I know is that you've both worked on the DFE workload reduction toolkit And Liz, of course, we recorded a podcast over a year ago now when you were first talking about the Workload Reduction Toolkit. So let me start with asking you, Liz, for someone who doesn't know anything at all about the Workload Reduction Toolkit, where should you start? Thank you, Helen. Yes, as you mentioned, the the toolkit has been uh, online for a couple of years now, uh, but has just been through a refresh. So anybody who's looking for the toolkit, other than Googling, if you like, you can start by, by going onto Google, looking at the DFE workload reduction toolkit. I can assure you it comes up as one of the top searches. A number of the downloads are my own, but we're aware from the DFE figures of the last month that actually downloads are up 800% since we've relaunched the toolkit. So it's great to know that people are finding it and going online to be able to see what the toolkit has to offer them to support them doing less better with workload. Doing less better with regard to workload. I like that. Um, An 800% increase. That's amazing, actually. That's really good. Yeah, I'm particularly proud of that from the quality. Um, It was a real privilege to work with David and other colleagues around the country on updated resources. So there really is something for everybody in the toolkit, whether you're reviewing uh, marking and feedback, whether you're reviewing behaviour, whatever it might be, there is something within there for most areas that schools would find uh, their priority when it comes to, to looking at workload. Okay, that's really helpful to know. So David, what are the differences that you hear about between primary teacher workload and secondary teacher workload? What are the main themes that come up with regard to those differences? So in the 19 years I've been teaching, I've spent most of my time in secondary schools, but as part of my role across across our trust, we do have a primary school and I've worked with other primary schools. The one that tends to come up more than any other as a difference is planning, particularly because primary schools tend to be smaller, not always, but a lot of them tend to be. And because the teachers tend to teach across year groups rather than subjects, there are lots more opportunities, especially in larger secondary schools, for collaborative planning. So, you know, not having to do everything from scratch. So that's definitely something that comes up in conversation a lot. There is a lot of really good stuff in the workload reduction toolkit about collaborative planning. And the great thing is that you've always got a primary and a secondary example. So even if you think, oh, I'm in a primary school, I can't collaboratively plan very easily. There are primary schools who have managed to do it. 
so definitely have a look through that. As I say, when we were updating the toolkit, we tried to include different contexts as well. So special educational needs, specialist providers, for instance, we always tried to make sure that there was that balance of schools in different contexts. I mean, the area of the toolkit that I've contributed mostly to myself is marking. I don't like the word marking, as anyone who's been to any of my presentations over the years um, will attest. And you can read this in the toolkit as well. I like the word feedback particularly in primary schools, what's the point of writing reams and reams of red pen all over children's work if they can't necessarily read those comments and then be able to do things with them? So that's definitely something I've noticed with primary colleagues. They say, actually, the stuff about marking is even more relevant for us because there's no point putting tons of red pen on, on children's books because they're not going to be able to do anything with it. So yeah, they're, they're the two biggies that I, I tend to uh, find come up in conversation. Okay, and it's really helpful to hear that there are a range of examples in the toolkit. So primary, secondary, special ed, that's really good to know. So Liz, can you tell us what's been working really well and what feedback have you had from the toolkit? One of the things that works particularly well, whether using the toolkit, is where schools have a strategic approach to workload. It isn't piecemeal. It isn't picking it up, ticking a box saying, yes, I've done workloads. So where we've included a number of resources in the toolkit, it does also involve the school having a strategic approach and regularly revisiting workload within the school because things can change. We know we were making great strides between the 2016 and 2019 teacher workload survey. There was a reduction on average of five hours per week for teachers. So we were moving in the right direction. Well, then, of course, the pandemic hit and we all know that that has then increased some workloads with remote education and having both on-site learning and off-site and preparing for all eventualities. But what works is when schools have a strategic approach. What works is when schools use evidence-informed practice to inform the decisions they make when they're school improvement planning, when they're looking at individual scenarios. One of our um, quality assurance that we were using when we were um, looking at all the resources, because we had far more resources come in than we could use in the toolkit. So there were many, many, many resources that came in. But one of the things that we actually said as our quality assurance was, is this underpinned by evidence-informed practice? Does it tie in with what the EEF say to us about what is effective feedback, effective English teaching, maths teaching? So we really felt that this iteration of the toolkit is finely tuned to evidence-informed practice and things that we know have worked. The leaders that gave us their resources, the question was, what has the impact been in your own school? Don't just give us a lovely resource that we can pick up and play with. We want to know that it's actually had an impact. So everything you see in the toolkit is by practitioners on the ground who have tried it in their school and there has been a positive impact in reducing workload. So I think it speaks for itself that the downloads are up 800%, that obviously people are finding it useful and revisiting uh, and going back to the toolkit. I mean, that's amazing, actually. That I'm, I'm thinking about the statistic that workload had reduced by five hours a week between 2016 and 2019. That's really impressive. And fantastic that you've had so many resources, but that you've, stu- you've been true, really, to yourselves around it being from the ground, ground up. You know, these are things that we know we've got evidence that actually work in practice and they have come from practitioners. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, I'm curious to know, What's changed between the the first iteration of the toolkit and the refresh? What what are the biggest changes, Liz? Um, Additional resources. There is actually a section on remote education that won't surprise you. Um, Additional resources, as David mentioned, to do with feedback. Um, A number of the resources that 
that were in the new version, of course, have tied in with some of the publication of EEF documents. Uh, so, of course, where, where schools have used a guidance document, then they realise that's addressed workload and therefore ha have created some resources. So there's a few sections. Communicating with parents was another one. Um, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure whether that, that was included because we've had more communication with parents over the last two years. But certainly communication protocols and, and establishing really clear expectations with parents about what they can expect from a school, having been through a couple of years of having teachers and head teachers at the end of a telephone and on their doorstep on some occasions. Um, so, so the main things have changed is that we've responded to what our focus groups told us were the key issues and then we've looked for the resources uh, with them. There were, there were 12 uh, regional leads that, that worked on this all around the country uh, through the Teaching School Council and their first job was to go out to as many schools of people they knew and talk about what were the issue, issues facing them right now and then we tried to respond to that by using the examples they gave us to have resources for. Okay, so it's definitely been practitioner needs led. Absolutely. That's definitely been the process, right? That's, that's lovely to hear. That's great. David, let me ask you, what are you most excited about with regard to the future of the toolkit? Well, um, this is going to be quite speculative, so <laughs> unless Liz is going to chip in here and say, mm, these are definite plans, um, we, you know, we, we're not privy to those at the moment, but something Liz and I have been talking about, and I don't think this is going to be controversial, something Liz and I have been talking about for quite some time, in, in including with uh, the people we work with very closely at the DFE, and they're always very keen on this, is incorporating more to do with senior leadership workload so it's teacher workload at the moment and obviously we are teachers even if you know some of us don't teach like I don't have a teaching timetable at the moment and a lot of the things already in the toolkit can be applied to senior leadership and making decisions so my favorite bit of the toolkit that I always bang on about is the graph in there that helps you identify the things which are taking up so much time but not having an impact on learning um, but I, we've always said there needs to be perhaps more in there for senior leaders specifically we know from the research that senior leadership workload has increased during the pandemic certainly now I'm not sure anyone's actually uh, done the study and if so I've missed it as said whether it's actually gone back down to pre-pandemic levels so Liz and I talk all the time about how we self-regulate as head teachers and how we look after ourselves so that we can actually do the best possible job because the last thing you want is a head teacher who's burned out and then takes it out on everybody else and you know I'm sure I know Liz is the same as me you know even if you're having a tough time and you're having the day from hell like <laughs> you know you know you just have to put that brave face on it but it's like to be able to do that you do need to be able to take care of your own workload and your own well-being and recharge uh, John West Burnham uses the analogy of filling up your reservoir so that you've got that to draw on during the school days um, so yeah, and not feeling guilty about, you know, not being able to get through every single thing on your to-do list. So I'm looking at my computer right now and I have 8,700 emails. I'll get to those eventually. That sort of thing, really. And I know that a lot of times senior leaders rely on dialogue between each other. So Liz and I have lots of those sorts of discussions and we're all very supportive of each other. But it might be nice to try and codify some of that in the toolkit, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've heard I've heard three kind of things that jumped out for me there. One was about self-regulation. Yeah. Uh, one was about the importance of our networks and having that connectivity with leaders in other places and other areas. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one, and I know Liz, you had a lovely phrase that I heard you use the other week at a leadership witness session. Um, your reservoir of hope is what you talked about. 
Um, so filling up that reservoir, but thinking of it as a reservoir of hope, perhaps. Absolutely. And, and as I said, um, when we spoke previously, you know, this is about, it came from the Church of England Foundation for, for School Leadership initially, that their particular idea, what is it that we do to fill up that reservoir of hope? And and, and as I shared with you, Helen, um, at the occasion when I said it, we were actually in a leadership witness group where as a panel of professionals, we were being asked questions by, you know, the next generation of senior leaders. And I actually felt that that whole session had filled my reservoir of hope, looking to the future with the keen and passionate middle leaders that we had, that that enabled me to then go back with a bit of joie de vivre, if you like, to to continue my role in senior leadership. And and absolutely, David and I, you know, as we say, we don't know what we're, we're not privy to some of the future workings and plans in place, but we've certainly both noticed both our own personal experience and amongst colleagues that leaders are doing everything they can to reduce workload for teachers and often I've found going into a number of different schools to lead their workload with them it's activities and tasks are sometimes given back to the SLT because they'd start rather have that piece of work done than their teacher do it so we really need to start looking as senior leaders about how we can mitigate that and for me it's using a lot of the toolkit methodology as David mentioned the impact graph looking at that strategic approach using evidence-informed practice not just doing things because we've always done them uh, which is things that we hear sometimes so hopefully somewhere down the line there'll be something on the senior leadership workload. Well we'll look forward to that we really will. Thank you both so much for joining us today on 10 with Zen, Liz Wettham and David Lowbridge-Ellis. And for our listeners, we always follow up our podcast with a transcript, including key links, which will, of course, include the workload toolkit this time, especially to help you find out more. Thank you all for joining us on 10 with Zen. 10 with Zen is brought to you by Zen Educate. Zen Educate's online platform puts you in control of supply and recruitment, and they've saved UK schools over £3 million by allowing them to connect with teachers and TAs directly. To receive 50% off your first day booked with Zen, just DM us on Twitter at Zen Educate and quote 10 with Zen. Thanks for listening.